Let's just pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart, and that you'd reveal your word to me today in a way that I will understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Living by God's divine power is what we've been talking about. And um, today we're going to talk about the fact that everything you have is from God. And the question is, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to the fact that every single thing that you have is from God? And I want to um, remind you about what we, you know, what we spoke about last week, and, and that was the fruitfulness of God. All right, that God wants us to be fruitful. And so I want you just to, um, you know, re- really remind yourself of, from the, 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 the Gospel of John. But in John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, it said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do produce fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great joy to my Father. Now, the, the, the reality is that um, there's two kinds of fruit that the Lord wants from us. It's the fruit of character and the fruit of disciples. And this is something that's very, very important to understand is that the fruit that we produce indicates the relationship that we have with God. And it all starts out from understanding the perspective that every single thing that we have is from God. There's nothing that we have that is not from God. And um, just to remind you of Romans chapter 12 verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And the message puts the last part of that verse this way. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. So I want you to think about that. You only understand yourself by what God is and what He does for you. 
and we do not understand ourselves, we do not understand God by who we are and what we do for Him. So knowing God, there's only one way that we can know God and there's only one way that we can understand our, ourselves. And that is by knowing God and knowing what He does for us. Do you know what God does for you? Do you understand from the Word what exactly God did for you when His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, died on the cross for you? We only begin to understand ourselves when we understand what God has done for us because of the fact that absolutely everything we have comes from God. Now I want to remind you about a verse we've looked at the last few weeks and um, the reason it's important to know God in order to be able to know ourselves is because of the fact that we've been created in His image. Genesis 1.26, God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. And so contact with the Lord. Knowing God is imperative if you want to know yourself. People go all over the world to find themselves. They go to all sorts of places to find themselves. They do all sorts of things to find themselves. But the reality is, unless you know God, you will never find yourself. Unless you know God, you will never understand yourself. Whatever money you're chasing after, whatever things you're chasing after, unless you know the Lord, you're not going to find any of it. And so, contact with God is imperative in us understanding ourselves and everything around us. So the question is, how do we do that? And I want to read some Bible verses to you today. And they come from the book of Revelation. And I want you to listen very carefully to what these verses are saying. Because what these verses are talking about is what everything is all about. They're verses that I'll normally read at a funeral. Because you know when you're at a funeral, it comes down to what is everything all about. And in Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 to 7. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. He will, dwell, he will be with His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the older things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And then in, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 to 9, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, 
down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the, the, the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they, listen to this, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I'm coming soon. Jesus is coming soon, active church. Come on, give the Lord a big shout of praise for Jesus is coming soon, active church. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps these words of prophecy written in the scroll. I'm John, the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your fellow prophets. And with all who keep the words of the scroll, worship God. Say, worship God. And then in verse 12, this is Jesus. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And verse 17 says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Sometimes we forget why we're serving God. Sometimes we forget what life is all about. Sometimes we forget why we honor Romans chapter 12 verse 1, which we looked at a number of weeks ago, which is, that we should offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. Sometimes we forget why we do all the things that we do. We do them because there's something else to come. This world and this life is not all there is. In fact, early on in the first passage that I read from Revelation 21, it talks about this earth and this heaven and everything that we see around us now will pass away. There is going to come a time when the earth that you're on right now is not going to exist. There's going to be a new earth. And one day, Jesus is coming back. And this is what I hope is set on. Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, he will reward his church. He's coming back with a reward. Come on, give the Lord a big shout of praise, active church. He's coming back with a reward. And our surrender will not be forgotten. That is the promise that we have from the Word of God. Our surrender will not be forgotten. Why do we forsake entertainment for a relationship with almighty god why do we forsake the things of the things of the earth for the things of heaven because there's a reward coming and in forgetting about where we're going to end up forgetting about the fact that there's a time after this life forgetting about the fact that there's an age after this life we also come to a corrupt understanding of why we exist in the first place 
You know, people are living their entire lives to try and find meaning, to try and understand why in the world they were, they were born on the earth. And the end of the day, I want to tell you that um, the purpose of all of creation, including, including all of mankind and including everything else that was created from the animals to the stars to everything else, the purpose of all creation is worship. And one day we are going to be there in eternity, and for the rest of eternity, we will worship Him. And you need to understand that when God created man in the Garden of Eden, He created man to have a relationship with Him. You were created to have a relationship with Almighty God. If you do not have a relationship with Almighty God, I do not care how awesome you think you are or how fantastic you think your achievements are. At the end of the day, if you do not have a relationship with Almighty God, then you are not living the purpose for which you were created and the reason that you exist. God was looking for worship in a man God was looking for worship in mankind that he could find nowhere else. The Bible talks that even the stars and the planets and everything are praising God. But you know what? At the end of the day, no planet, no star, no tree, no dog, no cat, no no whatever can God find the worship that he can only find with us. But after the fall, Adam fell. And when Adam fell in Genesis chapter 3, we fell with him. And that caused a big problem for us. It caused a problem for the Lord as well. Because because of the fall of man and because of the fact that God had placed everything in the care of man, now, now creation was dirty. Everything was dirty. And ever since creation was made dirty, God has been trying to get creation into intimacy with him again. The reason that you, that, you know, so, some people say, you know, wherever you are, this church, you don't need to go to church. I want to tell you that's not true. Because at the end of the day, what God is looking for is for a creation that can get back the communion that was lost at the fall of mankind. And let me tell you, we need to meet together like this in order to have that communion with Almighty God. In the Old Testament, they didn't have what we have. They could worship God, but they had lost communion with, with God. They'd lost communion. They had, they had no intimacy with God. They did not have the Holy Spirit. They could worship God, but they did not know Him. You see, God created us to know Him. And now, what about now? Many of those limitations that were there in the Old Testament are not there for us today. And the reality is that now worship will lead you to communion. Worship will lead you to a place where you have communion with Almighty God. And if you have communion, communion leads to a life of worship. In other words, you're not just worshiping God, singing songs in church or something like that, but you live a life of worship. And why is this important? This is important because worship is the primary purpose of all creation. It is the number one purpose. There is no purpose greater than worship. It is the thing for which you were created. Why do you think people will go to big stadiums, and when they go to big stadiums, 
They will go there and they will raise their hands and they will shout out to artists and all that kind of stuff. It is because you were created to worship. And then the next thing, the one you're worshiping goes and commits suicide. How many times have have, have people lost their God to suicide? So many of these famous artists have killed themselves because they weren't created to be a God. So worship is the primary purpose of creation and communion is the primary purpose of the gospel. The gospel is to reestablish communion for people with God. Now when you look at us people, we are spirit, soul and body. And now, this is, this is what causes the problem with worship. You see, when Jesus was speaking to a Samaritan woman who was talking about the outward things, Jesus said, no, when the true believers worship, they're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. You see, there's a struggle between outward worship, having an emotional experience, and having true worship. But I want to tell you that worship starts outside and then it goes ever more inward. And so where does worship start? Worship starts in the body. I want to tell you that's why you need to shout your praises to God. That's why when we're singing, you need to sing at the top of your voice. That is why we need to clap our hands. That is why we need to raise our hands. And and we need to do those things even if we don't feel like it because worship starts in the body. I am a spirit with a soul that lives in a body. But I'm first a spirit who lives in a soul that lives in a body. And if I want to get to the place of worship that God wants me to get to, then at the end of the day, it's got to start in the body. And I've got to do it no matter how I'm feeling. And this causes a problem because the body is trying to control everything in my life And the body is constantly trying to have its own way. Your body wants to have its own way. Your body doesn't want God to have his way. Our bodies are the instrument of sin. But your body can be sanctified with the blood of Jesus. And worship starts with an external attitude. Worship starts with a decision. I'm going to worship God now. It's a decision only you can make. I'm going to worship God now. And when we decide that, we need to forget about everything that is around us, and we need to start doing what we've decided to do, and we need to worship Him. And if we will do this with everything in our heart, the Holy Spirit will help us, and we will then get to the next level, which is worship of the soul in the soul so if i if i start worshiping in the body somewhere along the line something's going to happen and i'm going to be touched in the area of my soul and the, and within your soul you have your mind your will and your emotions so what happens here is that now you're worshiping and it touches your, you and you feel it you start feeling it in your emotions Many times we might say, I don't want to be emotional, or I don't want to just have this worship thing being about emotion. But I'm telling you now, to get to the Spirit, it has to go through the emotions. And that's why there are so many times when when we've had album recordings and worship evenings and stuff like that, that people start getting 
affected in their emotions because the spirit is moving and it touches your soul he touches your soul and now what what might even happen now is that you feel loved when you really worship there is a guarantee from the word of god that god is going to touch you you're going to feel him you're going to feel your emotions stirred many people can come to a church service and they can get to the place where they have that emotional experience and that is awesome and it's nice but god doesn't want it to stay there he wants you to get through the emotions to the third and the final level and the final level of worship is the spirit and when you get to worship in the spirit you get to a, a place where you're immersed with the presence of God and when we get to the spirit the spirit of God communicates with your spirit I want to tell you that when you're worshiping like this this is when you hear God begin to give you specific instructions and you know it's God because it always lines up with the Bible there's lots of times that people say that God spoke to them and it never lines up with the Bible. Let me tell you, when God begins to speak to you at the level of the Spirit, it will always line up with the Bible. And very often God will give you a verse that goes with what He's telling you. When you get to the level, level of the Holy Spirit, He will begin to tell you things that you never thought of. But it does take some effort. For us to be open to God to, uh, for, to, in order for us to get to this place. And there's a price to getting there. There's a cost. There is a cost to getting there. And, and the, the least of the cost is our attention. And I want you to think about what John the Baptist, John the Baptist paid a price that no one else was willing to pay. And now the question is, if you think about John the Baptist, what have you sacrificed to get to God? Because a walk in life without sacrifice is not the kind of life that God has called us to. You see, in order for me to show that God is first in my life, I need to sacrifice in order to get there. Now, here's the question. What, am I, what is the first thing I'm going to experience? Maybe you've never had this experience where you've gotten into the Spirit before. What is the first thing you're going to experience when you get to the Spirit? Well, I want to tell you the Bible actually talks about the prophet Isaiah. And I'll never forget the time a number of years ago when, when God first gave me revelation in terms of what this passage was saying. It hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized this was the first time that Isaiah physically experienced the presence of God. And I want to tell you that what he experienced is what all of us experience. And it's in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 to 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, that which are angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So 
Isaiah here begins to see worship in heaven. And what does he see? He sees that when these angels start shouting out a cry of worship to Almighty God, holy, 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 these angels are so big that the walls of the, the throne room of God in heaven begin to shake. So you see this all-powerful, almighty God, and he sees all of this stuff, and then what happens? He gets afraid. He gets scared. And why does he get scared? Because he sees the holiness of God. He sees the power of God. And he also sees his own sin. The first sign of someone having an encounter with God is that they see why they need a savior. They see why they need someone to save them. They see why Jesus had to die on the cross. Let me tell you, that is the first thing. If you don't understand that, you will not understand the rest of the Bible. He saw worship in heaven and he sees the cherubim and they have six wings. Four of them are to worship. Two of them are to serve. When we get to a proper place of, of worship, the adoration that we have for Almighty God always comes before service. It always comes before that. It is the number one thing. And there's a desire inside of us that gets birth that we want to be pleasing to Him. And when we, when we do this, we get to a place where everything we do comes out of Him, not us. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 10, when Satan was tempting Jesus, it says, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. And now this is what you also need to understand. Worship is expressed when we serve. Worship is expressed when we serve. Now, in life, we can start organizations. We can start all sorts of organizations. But the reality is that only Jesus can start a ministry. And I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm telling you today. This is very, very important. You could be sitting right in the middle of church. You could be sitting right in the middle of a service right now. But that doesn't mean that Christ is with you. In terms of in the kingdom, your work is so important. I cannot even begin to tell you how important the work is. But you know, before the work, Christ must first be in you. Jesus must be in you. If you're not motivated to do the work of the Lord, it's simply a sign of the fact that you're doing everything out of your flesh. Worship is so connected to one of God's attributes, and that's what we see from Isaiah. It's connected to His holiness. When we, when we really worship and we get to the place there in the Spirit, and, and the Spirit of God is connecting with our spirit, we start to get affected by the holiness of God. Do you not realize how amazing it is that the King of the universe, the Lord of lords, the Lord of everything, the one who created everything, wants to spend time with you? 
He wants to spend time with you. That's what He wants to do. In the morning when you wake up, you need to understand Jesus is with you there in your room when you start your day off on the phone. Whatever you start your day with, Jesus is there. And, and every morning you need, you need to get into the Word. You need to pray. And every day you need to start asking God. You need to ask Him, don't let me forget what you've done. Don't let me forget the cross. Don't let me forget the incredible richness of the promises that I have because of the blood of your son, Jesus. Don't let me forget the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And worship is holy because when we get down on our knees and we worship, the thing that I want you to realize is this. Worship is holy because when we fall short, we're not focused on our falling short. We're focused on Him. We're focused on His holiness. And everything becomes about Him. And He doesn't fall short. He never falls short. When we're unfaithful, He remains faithful. And John 4 verse 23 and 24 says this, Yet a time is coming, and this is when Jesus is speaking to that Samaritan woman. She's been married five times, now she's living with a guy. She's really had a messed up life. Things couldn't have gone much worse for her. She, when she goes to fetch water, she can't go at the time when the other ladies from the town would go. Maybe early in the morning when it's cool, late in the afternoon when it's cool. She goes in the heat of the day. Why? Because she was ostracized. Her name was synonymous with, with scandal. And now she ends up having a debate with Jesus, arguing about whether they should worship in Jerusalem or on the mountain of the Samaritans. And Jesus answers and says, Yet the time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshippers must worship in Spirit and in truth. If you don't get to the spirit level, you're not worshipping. God is longing for one type of worship from you, and that is worship in spirit and in truth. I want you to think about something. God doesn't need us. But he's seeking us every single day. We don't have a right to worship anyway, just any which way we want. So, for example, when you come into church, it starts off where you raise your hands and you start praising him, even if you feel like not doing it at all. You start declaring the name of Jesus. You start declaring His fame. You start clapping your hands as the Psalms declare, making a joyful noise to the Lord. You set your focus on Him. 
You set your focus on the words that you're singing. You make them a cry and a declaration from your heart. Somewhere along the line, God will move your emotions. He will begin to move you. 